Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. The final from Comerica Ballpark in Detroit. It's the Indians 5, the Detroit Tigers 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And yes, it's still Baseball Nightly. I got a 15-hour workday tomorrow. So while you're listening to this, I'm at a doing a 15-hour workday, and it doesn't get any easier as the weekend goes on. So we're going to continue to bring you nightly shows, which means some of the websites aren't up to date with their stats. We're a little behind. We've still got Baseball Savant and the MLB app that are up to date on their box scores. So we still got plenty of things to talk about. And the big story, the top story, once again, we've got a taking a no-hitter into a blank situation. Uh, We've seen it a couple of times this season from Indians pitchers. Uh, Hey, McKenzie was going on a no-hitter through five, I think, uh, the other day. And Shane Bieber takes a no-hitter into the seventh inning today. Day game for you is yesterday. And, uh, you know, with the no-hitter, it's always tough. You're like, I can't even think about it. I can't talk about it. I wanted to text my brother and be like, are you watching? But I was like, no, I can't do that. If I do it, I'll screw it up. And sure enough, just thinking about texting my brother, he gives up a hit to Jonathan Scope the next at bat. I'm like, come on. Why did I think about it? Why did I even think about texting? Clearly, it was my fault for thinking about texting my brother that uh, Shane Bieber gave up that hit. I got to give credit to uh, Manning and Underwood and uh, Andre Knott on the TV broadcast because they did a really good job of not talking about it. You know, it's it's hard as a broadcaster because it's your job to let the viewer know what the situation is. So a lot of broadcasters now will talk about it. And they did not. They would go into commercial breaks saying, you know, just calling out the score, you know, whatever it was at that time. Indians four, Tigers nothing. And uh, they really, really resisted talking about it until, of course, the hit happens. And then that's all we can talk about, right? You know? So once again, we are waiting in Cleveland for our next no-hitter. It's been a long, long time. Um, Yeah, as Indians fans, we're waiting for a lot of things, aren't we? Right? We're waiting for that World Series win finally. We're waiting for them to change the name of the team. We're waiting for a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, so let's get into it. Let's get into the details of the game and Shane Bieber, and he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, lights out, fantastic. He his uh, box score on the day. He goes seven innings pitched, one hit, one earned run, four walks, and twelve strikeouts. Obviously, the one home run allowed, a hundred and three pitches. He was only hard hit twice. One being the home run. What was the other hard hit ball off of Shane Bieber? That is incredible that he's only hard hit twice. And, you know, in that many pitches, going seven innings into a game. Uh, the ground out in the first inning from Robbie Grossman uh, to lead off the game was at a 97.4 mile per hour ground out. So, uh, yeah. It's incredible that Shane Bieber was able to go that far into the game and not even get hard hit. Um That's how good, that's how locked in he was. What was Shane Bieber throwing to get those 12 strikeouts? Well, he went to the knuckle curve a lot. He threw the knuckle curve 45 times, the four-seam fastball 32 times, 
slider 14, that cutter that he's been talking about mixing in as like a surprise pitch, an easy strike pitch because nobody knows it's coming. Well, the cat's out of the bag. They know it's coming now. The CSW on that was only 14%. He got one called strike on it and uh, no whiffs on it. So uh, wasn't really locating the cutter, but that's okay. Uh, Threw the change up five times. The knuckle curve was absolutely dominant. 49% CSW on that knuckle curve. They took 26 swings against it and whiffed 13 times. 50% swing and miss on that knuckle curve. And he got nine called strikes on it. That's how you add up to a 49% CSW on that pitch. The forcing fastball, he had a 50% 50% CSW on it. They swung 13 times on that uh, fastball, and they whiffed nine times, plus seven called strikes to go along with it. And those four times they did make contact, they were all foul balls. They did not put one fastball in play against Shane Bieber the entire game. That is that is out of this world incredible. Uh, His total CSW on the day was 42%. He wasn't really feeling the slider and the cutter as much, and he really leaned on that knuckle curve, and it was working. I mean, they talked at the beginning of the game about how people are starting to, you know, maybe people are laying off the knuckle curve a little bit. It's not as effective as it has been, and uh, it was really effective. Once he started throwing it for strikes, they couldn't resist it, and it was really, really effective at getting strikeouts for Shane Bieber. In fact, if we go over to the Illustrator and we take a look at the results tab, we can see what pitches some of these strikeouts were. And a bunch of knuckle curves below the plate. Knuckle curve. Knuckle curve in the dirt. Knuckle curve at the bottom of the zone. Knuckle curve on the edge, on the right edge. A fastball, a few fastballs mixed in there. Obviously, the high ones are all fastballs. Um, so yeah, he even got a high knuckle curve that he dropped in, uh, for a swinging strike on the left edge of the plate. So a lot of knuckle curve strikeouts here, Man, a ton. I want to say seven of the 12 strikeouts came on the knuckle curve. Five of them came on four seam fastballs, including a couple of called strikes that are just painted on the outside edge on the right edge of the plate. So yeah. That was an absolute dominant performance from Shane Bieber. There's no point in delaying the uh, the decision. He is clearly MVP for the day. I mean, just the brilliant Cy Young type performance that uh, we've come to know and almost expect from Shane Bieber, right? Almost unfairly have come to expect from Shane Bieber. And uh, it's a lot of pressure to be the ace and go out there and do that every five days. But, man, was it good to see some vintage Bieber out there. Because the last few starts have been all right. Right? His last few starts, uh, he hasn't picked up a win since the game on May 11th against the Cubs. Uh, In Seattle, he took the loss. In Minnesota, it was a no decision in five and a third innings. Uh, Hasn't given up a ton of runs in those starts. But, you know, struggled to get deeper into games against Seattle and Minnesota. Um, some of the things we could look at, his bat bip, his batting average balls in play, and we talked about this in his last start. Uh, The last five starts going into this game, his bat bip had been above 400, which is rough. That's really rough that balls in play are getting hit around that hard. 
His ground ball rate had fallen. The last two starts, his ground ball rate was only 25%. Now, the outs he made yesterday that weren't strikeouts, eight of them were ground ball outs, only one fly out. So, yeah, so he was definitely, I, I like I said, Fangraphs isn't updated yet. This is still Thursday night for me, and uh, his ground ball rate has to be incredible compared to those 25% games. And his bat bip, I mean, he gave up one hit in seven innings pitched. I'm guessing the bat bip is pretty low, too. Uh, the pitch type, the pitch type that he was throwing, he actually has been throwing the curveball a lot uh, lately. He's been throwing the curveball as much or more than his fastball in maybe his last five starts. Um, going all the way back to the White Sox game in April, at the end of April was the last time that he really threw the fastball a significantly more than the curveball, and even through the slider more than the curveball in that start. So the curveball is definitely coming back into fashion for Shane Bieber as a go-to pitch. So yeah, so that are some of the details that we got, kind of combining what we're getting on Baseball Savant with fan graphs. And uh, man, him and Savali are both just cooking right now. Just cooking. You gotta hope that this rubs off on the rest of the pitchers, right? You hope that it rubs off on Henches. You hope that it rubs up on Eli Morgan is coming up to start tomorrow. So yeah, so there's a lot of young pitchers that you hope that this kind of knowledge and this kind of baseball acumen and the ability to go out there and attack hitters with a really dominant off-speed pitch like this, you hope it rubs off on some of those other pitchers in the pitching staff, right? To be that true leader. And, uh, if you saw the interview with Austin Hedges, you know that these guys still love talking baseball, right? Austin Hedges got up there in the one of the it was the pregame presser or the postgame presser, and he was just talking like hitting strategy and plate discipline. And you saw him and Aaron Savali just sitting and talking. It looked like Savali was teaching him something about his delivery, about his windup, about his his throwing shoulder and kind of where he sets his arm and his back muscles and his throwing. He kept pointing to Austin Hedges's, you know, back muscles, his shoulder blade and stuff like that, kind of showing him how he sets up when he's throwing. So, you know, these guys are kind of baseball nerds. It'd be great to hear more. I mean, that's why people are loving Pitching Ninja right now, right? Because he gets these guys on the microphone and you get to hear what kind of baseball nerds they actually are. And uh, yeah, so uh, you hope it's all rubbing off in the locker room, right? Uh, in the dugouts, in the bullpens, these conversations that they're having. And they're, hopefully these conversations will help some of these young starters that are coming behind Bieber and Zavali, who are very young themselves. So yeah, absolute great pitching performance from, and the bullpen did good too. Brian Shaw did give up a hit and a walk, but gets out of the eighth inning. Karinczak does give up a walk and a run. He gives up a triple into the right field corner, but gets two strikeouts, limits the damage. It would be one more hard hit for the Tigers on the day. Only three hard hits total on the day for them. Um, Cleveland's offense also showed up yesterday. I mean, I'm glowing about the pitching right now, but the offense also showed up today. And there were some interesting storylines going on with the offense. And I want to talk about the very first inning against Matthew Boyd. So Boyd comes out and he seems like he's doing pretty good to start. He, uh, he gets Cesar Hernandez a strikeout, but notice the first pitch. 
throws him a four-seam fastball on the first pitch. Now, he missed with it. It was a ball, but starts him with a four-seam fastball. Eventually gets him to strike out. Owen Miller comes up. First pitch, four-seam fastball, called strike. Eventually, he would get Owen Miller, uh, I believe, to ground out. Yes, grounds out to second base. Jose Ramirez comes up. What does he throw him? First pitch, four-seam fastball, called strike. Eventually, Jose Ramirez would get a single. He'd go opposite field and poke one through. Harold Ramirez comes up, and he has just sat there and watched Cesar Hernandez, first pitch fastball. Owen Miller, first pitch fastball. Jose Ramirez, first pitch fastball. What does Harold Ramirez get? Did I say Harold or Jose? I'm confused on my Ramirez's already. What does Harold get? Four-seam fastball, and what does he do with it? He drives it out into right center field. Jose Ramirez comes all the way around from first to score, and before you know it, before you can blink, the Indians have a one nothing lead for Shane Bieber because Harold Ramirez was aggressive and was paying attention. That's a storyline right there. That is a storyline that develops a, a, you know, through a few hitters in one inning. And the fact that Harold Ramirez, he's an aggressive hitter to begin with, was ready, he knew he was getting a fastball, and he was able to drive it, you know, not just, uh, you know, not just pop it up or something like that or fly out or try to hit a home run with it. He tried to drive it. It wasn't even considered a hard hit ball. It was 90.7 miles per hour exit velocity. But, I'm sorry, that was the pitch coming in was 90.7. I apologize. Uh, The pitch coming in was 90.7. The actual... uh, the actual exit velocity on that one was 107.4 miles per hour. So, yeah, definitely a hard hit ball. Okay, 107.4 was the exit velocity on that one. Uh, 8.10 expected batting average, 361 into the gap over Badu's head. So, yeah, you love, you absolutely love to see that. You love to see a hitter uh, make that adjustment and be prepared when he gets up there. Now, That's not to say this doesn't go both ways, because if you continue to pay attention, Matthew Boyd definitely stopped throwing a lot of first pitch fastballs after that. Eddie Rosario gets a first pitch slider. In fact, he didn't throw him a fastball that entire at bat. Uh, Coming up in the second inning, he starts Yu Chang with a curveball. He does throw Josh Naylor a first pitch fastball, so he's not completely done with the first pitch fastball. Throws Austin Hedges a changeup, first pitch changeup. Coming into the uh, third inning, Bradley Zimmer gets a first-pitch slider. Cesar Hernandez gets a first-pitch changeup. Owen Miller does get a first-pitch fastball. Um, And then Jose Ramirez, to end that inning, gets a first-pitch curveball. So you can see he's definitely getting away from the first-pitch fastball, right? He kind of learned his lesson there from Harold Ramirez, and he really started to mix up what he was throwing for the first pitch of every at-bat. So this door swings both ways, right? They make adjustments, you make adjustments. You make adjustments, you better expect that they are going to make adjustments on their end. Uh, so the Indians would put together some good rallies here. They would end up scoring uh, that one in the first. They would end up going on to score three in the sixth inning, and it was a fun sixth inning. Uh Jose Ramirez leads it off with a double, takes, I believe it was a changeup, and ropes it down the left field line for a double. Harold Ramirez singles up the middle, and Jose Ramirez is able to come in to score. And then Eddie Rosario, I have been waiting about this. We talked about it a few days ago. We talked about the fact that Eddie Rosario, his power, and when you look back on 2020, 2019, 
all those home runs to right field. Yes, it is great when Eddie Rosario goes opposite way. He's gotten some doubles going into the gap opposite way, gotten some big RBIs going the opposite way, especially when he's down on the count. But his power, and we brought him here a little bit for power, is to right field. And he turns on one and cranks it 406 feet out to the seats in right field. Even in Detroit, that's a home run. 105.5 mile per hour exit velocity. Do you think they left Boyd in there a little long in this game? Jose Ramirez, Harold Ramirez, and Eddie Rosario all have over 100 mile per hour exit velocity off of him in three hits in a row. I'd say that's a pitcher that's probably been left in there a little too long. So yeah, the Indians put together a fun rally. They're able to add another run late in the game. Uh, Harold Ramirez gets on with a walk, and then Eddie Rosario doubles. Harold Ramirez is able to come in and score. It was a situation where they're like, eh, we've got a lead. Why not push it? Why not try to bring one more run across in that ninth inning? And they're able to do it. Harold Ramirez beats the throw, has a little more gas than uh, Josh Naylor had the night before. And he's able to beat the throw and slide in safe for an insurance run. So, yeah, so the Indians offense was pretty fun. Uh, And it's the middle of the order. When is the last time we saw an Indians game where the middle of the order, the three, four, and five hitters all have multi-hit games, all delivered? You know, how many times have we seen it where it's like the ninth or the first batter in the lineup gets on base and then one of those guys is able to drive them in? This time, all of them were able to do it. They all end up, uh, Jose Ramirez didn't have any RBIs. All the RBIs came from Harold Ramirez and Eddie Rosario, but all three of them scored runs, uh, not only contributed hits, but also scored runs. So yeah, that that's big. That's big when the middle of your lineup can deliver like that. Uh, it really feels good for an offense. And I believe that's Harold Ramirez's first time hitting cleanup for us. Uh, he used to hit cleanup back in his Miami days a few times. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if that's a position that he might get to stay in with Fermil Reyes out. All right. Uh, that's, that's all my thoughts on this game. Uh, it was one heck of a game. Uh, the other big MLB news is that... Uh, the, the play in the Pirates-Cubs game, if you didn't see it, you got you have to have. It's all over Twitter. Everybody was commenting on this play. Uh, it, I saw it at least six, seven times today on Twitter just because every time I opened up the app, it was right there at the top and kept playing. And uh, it was... Uh, I tried describing this play to my wife, and I probably sounded like a lunatic to her. I'm going to try to describe it a little bit to you, but basically... Two outs, runner on second base, Javi Baez grounds out to third base. All they have to do, there's two outs. All they have to do is throw to first base, and he's out. Well, the throw pulls him off the bag a little bit, and the first baseman, the bag's behind him, the runner's in front of him, figures, I'll just go tag the runner, and starts walking him back towards home plate. You can't, it's baseball, you can't go back to home plate. So Javi Baez is shuffling back towards home plate. The runner, I think it's Contreras, comes all the way around third, slides into home. The first baseman panics, flips the ball to the catcher. The runner's safe. Javi Baez even gives the safe sign for the umpire and then turns, realizes he still needs to run the first base. 
The throw goes down there. The second baseman wasn't covering. The throw goes wide of the second baseman trying to hit him on the run and goes out into right field, and Baez is safe at first. Not only that, he goes to second on the play. Now, (laughs) I hope that's painted a picture for you, but the crazy thing about this play, the crazy thing besides Baez running back to home, besides him giving the safe call and celebrating the run before he's even made it to first base, is the fact that if they successfully make that throw to the second baseman covering, he's still out, and it's still two outs, and it's still a force out at second, and that run doesn't actually count until he's safe at first base. That's the crazy thing about this. This could have been scored as a 3-2-4 ground out, and that run wouldn't have mattered. So yeah, it's one of the craziest plays ever in baseball, and you gotta love baseball for that. Yeah absolutely love to see it Uh, a good old-fashioned pickle right it's always makes the game more exciting every time you go to the ballpark you will see something you have never seen before and i guarantee you if you haven't seen the highlight yet you have never seen anything like this before so that is some fun mlb news and then uh the other news uh is that eli morgan is coming up to start tomorrow Now, what roster spot is he getting is the question. Um, You know, Bradley Zimmer was just called up to take Plesak's spot or McKenzie's spot after he went down. So that spot's in shuffle. Eli Morgan is coming up to make a spot start. I don't know what spot on the roster. I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, you may already know how these roster moves are shaking up. And then somebody's been tweeting out tonight and everybody on Indians Twitter has been picking it up, that Bobby Bradley was removed from the game before the start of the game. And it didn't seem to be injury-related. So, is there a chance that, you know, maybe Jordan Luplo, they said his ankle injury is getting to the point where if they have to keep resting him, they might as well put him on the IL. And if they put him on the IL, does that open up room for Bobby Bradley to come up and get some at-bats? Uh, you know, maybe not, maybe it doesn't make the most sense, but if Bradley Zimmer is here is covering the outfield at bats, does Yu Chang, you know, make space on the roster for Eli Morgan to come up and, uh, and get his start? Yu Chang did have a hit today, but you know, one for five, his average is still at 149. His OPS is still at 392. It does not look like Yu Chang is going to find it here in the majors. He needs time to go down to triple a and find it so a lot of roster moves are happening if if bobby bradley is finally coming up i'm excited i know he's a huge strikeout guy i know we're gonna see a ton of strikeouts and he'll probably end a bunch of rallies by striking out but when he does get a hold of one it's going to be so much fun when he cranks a ball out into the seats at Progressive Field. It is going to be a blast. It is going to be a party, and I am down for that. I want to see him get a fair shake. I want to see a lot of these guys. I hope Owen Miller sticks around. I I like Owen Miller. He's aggressive. Uh, he had one hit today. He did uh, hit a really hard ball. I can't believe he's not credited for a hard ball. How hard was that ball hit? Um, he did hit a really hard ball that ended up being a double play that ended a rally, but um, it was 94.7. It was just missed being a hard hit ball, right? 0.3 miles per hour under a hard hit ball. 
Uh, it hit a 500 expected batting average because, yeah, he roped one. It was just right at the third baseman. So I want to see Owen Miller continue to get at-bats. It's been really good to see that. There is a lot of possibility in things in it. Like, if you listen to some of the other writers and podcasters, I know the guys on the Selby is Godcast talk about it all the time, that this should be a season where you kind of see what you have. And, I mean, it doesn't look like we're going to be in any kind of position to go out and get any big-name free agents. I wouldn't be surprised if the Indians actually add somebody at the trade deadline. I feel like they're going to put themselves in a position where it's going to make sense. But they still have to see what some of these guys are. And uh, Bobby Bradley is definitely on that list of guys you have to see what he is. So, We'll see what all these tweets mean, what him getting pulled from the game means. You might already know. It might already be out there. So cut me some slack for the fact that I'm recording this Thursday night. uh, That is Cleveland Baseball Nightly, and I'm not as fully informed as I would be by the morning. So that's all my thoughts. It's time for me to start my crazy workday soon. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Will there be a game tomorrow? That's the other question. Right, They don't have to actually make a roster move if that game gets rained out and Eli Morgan doesn't have to come up and start. If they play it as a doubleheader on Saturday or Sunday, I think he can come up as a, uh, uh, you know, as a 27th man, which is already the plan for Tristan McKenzie on Monday. Could they do two doubleheaders in a row? Could you imagine doubleheaders on Sunday and Monday? They wouldn't do that. There's no way they would do that. Uh, But the Toronto Blue Jays aren't coming to Cleveland any other time, so they got to get the games in. Could they do a doubleheader on Saturday? I mean, there's seven-game doubleheaders now. Doubleheader on Saturday, play Sunday, and then the doubleheader Monday against the White Sox. That's a possibility. Uh, We'll see what the weather does. The weather might mess up all of these plans. So we'll see if there's even a game. If there is a rain out, remember, we'll take the day off. If If the games get rained out, It gives us a little bit of a break, and then we'll come back when they're playing baseball again. So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Again, the final from Detroit. The Indians win the series three games to one with a 5-2 to win. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Nightly.